Good morning. Okay, I'm going to be reading from Mark 5, verse 21 to 43. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much at the hand of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I just touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and asked, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. Why are you making a commotion and weeping? He said, oh, sorry, when he, when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside, took the father's child and mother and those who were with him, and he went to where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, I think. <laughs> which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. Thank you. We have our two characters. We have Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and we have the woman with the issue of blood. 
And listen, though you've maybe some of you have heard this story before, just please listen. I believe all of us have something to learn from these two people. So on the surface, there's a lot of similarities that are kind of obvious with these two people. Both were, both were in life-threatening situations. Both of them had run out of solutions. Both were desperate and both believe Jesus could bring their healing. But despite their similarities, these two people couldn't actually be more different. I mean, look at this. Differences. Jairus, he's a synagogue ruler. He's rich, synagogue ruler. He's well-known. He's honored. The woman, she's poor. She's a synagogue outcast because she, according to Levitical law, she is unclean, and she has to stay basically outside the camp, so she's like an outcast. She's unknown, and she's rejected. And then even how they came to Jesus on that day, Jairus publicly, humbly, he faced Jesus, and he implored him earnestly. The woman, she came secretly on her own terms. She avoided Jesus she didn't ask, she just took. Wow. And yet, both of these people got their healing. The woman for herself, Jairus for her daughter. And when I read that, I just think, man, like what's wrong with my faith? I mean, these people, they weren't even Christians. They didn't even own Bibles. And they got their healings right away. And I think, man, I've been a Christian for a long time and I've had many prayers that were not answered. And these people, and they got their answers right away. And I, that leads me to two questions that we're gonna just look at this morning. And the first one is, what was it about their faith that was so effective? And then number two, why aren't there more miracles of heal and healings today like there was in Jesus' day? Has anybody had those kind of questions? Yeah. I. I'm talking to the right crowd then. So we're going to look at this because we, you know, we may not get the specific answer to these questions because the Bible isn't like that. It's not like an answer book. You, know, you just look up the answer and then, then you know, that's it. But it sheds light on these kind of questions. So that's what we're going to find out today. Uh, so we're going to look, look closely at these two different people that got their healings in two very different ways. So first, Jairus. So the, the, the verse, portion of Scripture starts out, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. So if you remember last week, Eric preached on the guy with the demons in the Gerasenes area. Well, that was on the east side of the lake, and now Jesus came back in the boat to the west side, and there was a big crowd there. And it just says Jesus was beside the sea, but he was really teaching the crowd there. In Matthew's parallel account of this story, um, it's, it specifically says he was teaching and talks about what he was teaching. It's a long portion. Mark just abbreviates it. He just said there was a big crowd. Jesus was beside the sea, but he was teaching them. So just take note of that because we're going to come back later. Next verse, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Now, Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue. He's not a, like a Pharisee. 
He's not a priest. He's not a Sadducee. He's not one of those guys. He's kind of like the CEO of the synagogue. He's like the chief administrator. Um, it's an elected position. Uh, it carries with it a lot of prestige and authority. Um, he's a man of honor. Everybody knows him. And the synagogue, as you know, is kind of the center of religious, political, and social life in the community. So this is an important man. And it says, when he got there, it says, seeing him, when Jairus saw Jesus, he fell down at his feet and implored him earnestly. Now you picture, this is astonishing given the description of this man. Um, he fell down at Jesus' feet. I mean, if any of you have seen the movie Chosen, and just think of this like Nicodemus, you know, the really nice robes and the, dig, you know, the dignified way he carried himself and the formality. And yet Jairus was like that, and he just fell at Jesus' feet in front of this big crowd that most people probably knew him. Imagine that. And he said, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be made well. Jairus was out of options. You know, he was a well-off man, so he could probably afford the best doctors. And yet his daughter was dying before his eyes. He said, she's at the point of death. And just think of this, fathers and mothers. You know, if your, do your daughter is there dying. She's at the point of death. And um, somebody said, Jesus is in town. And Jesus is that healer. He's gone around healing people. And Jairus thought about it and he thought, because we don't think he, there's no record that he knew Jesus. And he thought, I'm going to take a chance on Jesus. I'm going to leave my daughter, and I'm going to go to Jesus. And he gets there, big crowd. There's Jesus teaching. He falls down in front of him, and he says, Jesus, come to my house and lay your hands on my daughter and heal her. And what follows then, it's not so much what Jesus said, but it describes what he did. And I think these are the five most comforting words in this story. It says, and he went with him. Yeah. Wow, can you imagine that? Can you imagine how Jairus felt? And I just want to say, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of promises in God's word, but there's a lot of confusion about God's promises sometimes because we sometimes expect God to do things for us that he didn't really promise. But this is one thing that he promised. He will always be with us even in our time of trial, you know, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will always go with us. And, it, you know, that doesn't guarantee the outcome, but he will be with us. God is near the brokenhearted. He will always be with us. My brother is a senior pastor in New Jersey, and he suffers from MS. And... Um, he preached once, and uh, it was like a year-end sermon. He goes, look, I know a lot of you have been praying for me. I'm not healed, but I'm held. And, and, and that's it. That, that's more important, that Jesus is with us, and he holds us. He heals us sometimes, but if he doesn't, he's with us. So Jairus gets his prayer answered. Jesus is coming. Jesus leaves the large crowd for one little girl at the humble request of her father. And he goes with them. And they're walking, and it, it specifically says, you know, the crowd just thronged around him. And Jairus is like, 
you know, wanting to hurry up because every second counts. His daughter is at the point of death and he's trying to make his way through the crowd and lead Jesus and, and all of a sudden, Jesus stops. Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And you know, when we initially read this, I know I used to think this, I thought that Jesus turned around in a very like stern, angry voice, like as if he had like Armani on or something and he <laughs> didn't want anybody to touch it. Who touched my garments? You know, like Darth Vader. Or for those of you in my generation, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but I think just by the way he treated the woman who actually did touch his garments, that he said that in a gentle, caring, inviting voice. I think what Jesus was thinking was, I want to know who touched my garments because I know that they're healed. And I just want to tell them that I have something much more important for them. I, have, I want to be in a relationship with them. And I don't want them to miss it. So I want to know who touched my garments. And the woman, she, she was found out. She realized, I can't, I can't hide from Jesus. She comes before Jesus in fear and trembling, and she tells him the whole truth. Now, the context indicates that there's a little, probably a little bit of conversation here. And finally, Jesus, you know, he didn't rebuke her because the way she went about it. And he just said, Uh, let's see. Sorry. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. He called her daughter. You know, this woman, because she was unclean, she had to be separated from her family. And Jesus said, you know what? You're coming into my family. Daughter. Theologian Edmund Hybart writes this. It affectionately assured her of the spiritual relationship in which she had entered. Her faith had not only resulted in her physical healing, but also brought her into relationship with him as his own child. It doesn't say this, but I bet that woman walked away with a skip in her step and a smile on her face. I mean, I bet that changed her life. So the point here is that we can get from this is you are never too unworthy to go to Jesus face to face. I, want, I just want to say a couple words because there might be some of you that are believers and you just feel that way. You feel unworthy. You feel like, not me. I can't go to Jesus and just ask him for help. And this unworthiness just kind of comes over you like a cloud. And um, you struggle with that. And you know, Mark, uh, Romans 5, 6 says, Christ died for the ungodly. And I just want you to remember this. Jesus didn't die for worthy people. He died for unworthy people to make them worthy and make them righteous. And that's all of us.
That's you and me. Don't think you're alone in this. And I just want to say something to maybe another couple people here, and that's that you don't consider yourself a Christian at this time. And first of all, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here and checking this out. The, the fact that you're here uh, leads me to be, believe that maybe you're checking Jesus out or maybe you're checking this Christianity thing out. And we are really uh, honored that you would be here. And as you heard this story about the woman, um, maybe you're identifying with her a little bit. It says of the woman, she had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She tried and tried and tried, spent everything she had, and she didn't get better. And maybe that's you, I, I don't know, but you have, you have something in your life, you have an issue, you have uh, you know, something down in the pockets of your heart that uh, is affecting you day to day. That ha maybe it happened long ago. I, I don't know what it is, but you're here this morning. And I just want to go out on a limb and say this. I th you, you have said this in the last week or maybe two weeks. You have said this. Where I am going for help is not helping, and I've got to find something else. You've said something like that. If that's you, I, I would love to really just chat with you because you're on a journey and we want to help you with that journey. We want to walk with you on that journey. So I'll be up here afterwards. Please come up and see me. If there's more of you, don't worry. We have other people that would be glad to talk to you about that. All right, so let's get back to what's going on here. So Jesus talks to the woman. She's, she walks away happy. And now there's Jairus. Now, did you notice that Jairus, here he is. It's a race against time to get Jesus to his daughter. And Jesus stops and starts talking to this woman. And Jairus could have said, you know, with the authority that he had, he could have said, get that woman away from Jesus. Or, Jesus, she's unclean. You shouldn't be near her. Or if it was the Apostle Peter, he would have said, hurry up, Jesus. But anyway, he was just quiet. He just waited on Jesus. He trusted Jesus. And just another, thing to, another point here is faith, trust that God's timing and ways are best. You know, even though things aren't going as according to our plan, and, and we're in, a, we're in a, a situation, you know, not just normal life, but we're in a crisis. And things aren't going as planned. Faith trusts that Jesus knows what's best. His timing and his ways are best. Continuing, while he was still speaking, while Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone from the ruler the synagogue ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? And there it is. Jairus' heart probably just sank. We, I tried to get Jesus there quickly. He stopped, talked to this woman. Now my daughter's dead. But Jesus knew what was going on. He just looked at him and he said, do not fear, only believe. Amen. And 
It doesn't record Jairus' response, but we can assume he believed because he just went with Jesus. They went to his house. Yeah, the, the little girl had died, but Jesus went in, and in a very tender way, he raised the little girl from death to life. So two beautiful stories, two different people getting their healings in two different ways. And now we go back to our questions. What was it about their faith that was so effective? And why don't we see as many healings today as there were back then? So next point will addresses that second question. The, the Lordship of Jesus Christ was authenticated by signs and wonders. So this was a time like no other time in history where the, where the, the God, God became man and walked the earth. And signs and wonders authenticated Jesus' lordship. Uh, when Peter preached his first sermon in Acts 2, uh, there was a whole bunch of Jews in Jerusalem for a feast and a holiday. And um, he's preaching, he goes, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by, by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know. So the signs and wonders attested to Jesus. Jesus said all kinds of things. He said, I and the Father are one. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And you know, the religious leaders recognized what he was saying. They, and that's why they hated him and wanted to put him to death, because he was declaring himself to be God. And yet, these signs and wonders attested to Jesus Christ. Um, and they, there was healings, but they called them signs also. And I just want to say something about this. That exit sign above that door, you know, if this building was on fire, and let's say all the lights went out, and we couldn't see, and we know... Peter, that the, the county made you put that on some kind of a, a battery pack or something, so the light stays on. And what if this building was on fire and we saw the sign and we all went over there and stood at the door and just looked up at the sign? And the building's on fire. All right, but signs, we don't need the sign. We need what the sign is pointing to, right? And what if, what if some of our group saw the sign, saw the door, and went out the door? And some just stood there. Now, that, not, uh, not anybody here. This is just hypothetical. But <laughs> just stood there and looked at the sign. Um, and the difference of those two groups is the people that took the door, they knew the building was on fire, right? And they knew that that door was going to save them. And that's how it is with Jesus. We see his signs. We look to Jesus. We realize we need a savior. We need to be redeemed. And we go to Jesus and he saves us. So, something that can throw us off in this whole topic is, like I say, the signs and miracles that Jesus did. Seems like that's all he did. And we think, yeah, man, that's all he did. Where are they today? But it's a good idea to just kind of zoom out and just look, uh, get like a little bit of a context and a perspective on Jesus' ministry. Point number four says, most of what Jesus did was preach the gospel of the kingdom. Right, so it's important to know that. I mean, really, if you just give a quick perusal of Mark 1 through 5, what we're up to now, the many times where it says Jesus was teaching, 
Um, Mark 1.35, um, the night before, Jesus had a, was healed a lot of people, cast out a lot of demons, and then they all went to bed, and then Mark 1.35 says, and rising up very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said, everyone is looking for you. And really what it was was, come on, there's more healings to be done. Come on, Jesus. And listen to what Jesus said, verse 38. Let us go to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Do you know that most of the time when Jesus entered a new town, the first thing he did was go to the synagogue and preach. And you know, if just as a little exercise, this Mark chapter 5, if we took these two stories out, it would start with verse 21 where it says Jesus was teaching beside the sea, and it would pick up in Mark 6 verse 1 where it says Jesus went to his hometown and went to the synagogue and was preaching. So just, it's just helpful to see that Jesus, um, most of what he did was preach the gospel of the kingdom. There was one time where a guy with leprosy came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you are willing, you can heal me. And Jesus said, I am willing, be healed. And this is what it says in Mark 1.45. But Jesus, Jesus sternly told the guy, don't go out and say anything about this. Just go to the priest and do your sacrifice as Moses has commanded. But it says, he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So, you know, we wonder, why, why did Jesus tell people to be quiet? Theologians believe the reason for this is Jesus didn't want people crowding around him for miracles and preventing him from preaching the gospel of the kingdom because that is why he came. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom was important to Jesus and it should be important to us. And this healings and miracles were part of that. They were in the context of the kingdom of God coming to earth. And so that's the proper place for them. And that's how Jesus lived his life and expressed his ministry. And the next point, point five, many of the people that Jesus healed, they initiated it. They came up to Jesus. Jesus didn't go to them. They came up to Jesus and, you know, fall at his feet or asked him or whatever. They initiated. And I believe God wants us to know that and follow that example. We, we take initiative, we keep approaching him, we keep asking. And then this ties into the first question about why did it seem like their faith was so effective? Because this is what I see, and this is by no means conclusive. Because these, these, these people didn't have like a deep faith that was bolstered by years of theological training, although that is good to have. And they didn't have a lot of experience in he healing and the healing ministry, although that is good to have. And they didn't have a lot of Bible verses uh, referencing healing, although that is good to have. They simply believed that Jesus could heal them no matter who they are. 
And that's the simple faith we want to practice today and trust God for the results. Just simply believe that Jesus can heal. We don't have to complicate it. Now, are there, are there people that won't get healed? Yes, there's people that won't get healed. Yeah, we're all going to be healed when we go to heaven, absolutely. But here on earth, there's people that won't get healed. It's, you know, we just need to embrace the reality. It's a hard reality, but we need to embrace that. And, you know, just like casting out demons, sometimes people get a little weird when healings don't go their way. And they begin to, like, overstate the results of their prayers or make excuses for God to make God look good. And God doesn't need anybody to make excuses for him. And I, I've done it because I, I want God to look good. But here's the thing. If we settle for a false reality, then we will never really experience what God really has for us. So we, we embrace the hard reality. We believe Jesus will heal. You know, we, we, we do those two things together. I'm going to close with this. So no matter how many healings we see or don't see, we continue to go to God and ask because it's the teaching of the New Testament, it's the pattern of the New Testament, and it's in accordance with the character of God. Amen? Amen.